Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. I'm sure there have been a number of people who've been walking by this church going, what is going on in there in the dark? And um, we are here for uh, the Easter Vigil. And uh, the first thing that I want to say about this service, which is very important, is that this service contains two very distinct parts to it. All of our services here on Sunday do, but this one is very distinctive. Um, uh, the first part, and, and it is distinct in the sense that um, these, we hear and we experience the means by which God meets us. Um, a lot of people will tell you, well, I find God on the golf course, you know. I find God in the woods. I find God in the beauty of the sunshine and sunsets. And that's nonsense. <laughs> it's not true. Because it must be consistent all the time. You may find, think you found God on the golf course when things are going great, but what about when it's bad? Uh, You may think you find God in the wilderness, but what about when you're lost and you run out of food and um, you begin to starve or you're chased by a bear? I don't know. But it has, nature is cruel actually. Maybe you find God in the sun and the sunsets, but what about when you get sunburn? You don't know that God is loving through natural revelation. This is what it's called. Indeed, it's true. You look up into the stars, there is no doubt there's a God. You look at the Grand Canyon, there is no doubt there is a God. But you don't know that he's good. And so we come to this service, Christian worship, and we uh, experience and know that God is good by two appointed means that he has given us. Uh, The first is his word, which we have heard plenty of tonight, and we will continue to hear. God's word, the Bible. This is the manger wherein Christ was lain. This is where you go to find God. When we talk about being the Bible being God's word, we don't mean that it has all the answers to everything. It's not basic instructions before leaving earth. Rather, this is the manger wherein Christ is laid. This is where you go to hear that God is good. And then the second part of this service is sacrament. And sometimes, like last year, we have baptisms. And we hear and we see with our eyes and experience by water means by which God says and gives us promises that I will never leave you or forsake you. This is why we call them sacraments, because not ordinances. Ordinances are what we do. And if you're like me, my promises usually fall far, far short of everything. But a sacrament is where there is a sign and a promise. And the promise, the sign is water. And the promise is God's promise to you. That no matter what happens to you, no matter where you go, God will never leave you or forsake you. But then if you're like me, you begin to immediately start looking at yourself and what you're doing. Uh, Gosh, how could God ever love me? Uh, You don't go to a sunset, then you come around his altar. 
And with your arms stretched into eternity, another ordinary mean, bread and wine are placed in your mouth. And you hear once again that gospel promise, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. And you're reminded that life and the Christian life oftentimes looks something like this. Our hands are letting go, but God has held on to us. And really, this is what we begin to experience as we hear the word today. All of these words from the Old Testament, that God is a God who is faithful to his promises. He meets you today because he is faithful to the promises he's made. He was faithful to Adam and Eve in the fall. He promises Eve that from her womb shall come a son who will bruise the serpent's head. And the sign of that is when they're cast out of the garden, they're covered in what? Animal skins. A sacrifice apart from themselves. God covers them in it. And this promise begins to make its way through the Old Testament. It becomes almost like a red meta-narrative. A red string that ties the whole thing together. Books of poetry, books of history, books of lament, books of joy. It begins to tie it all together. You begin to see, for example, the Noahic covenant with the bow in the sky. We like to say it's a rainbow, and it is, but it's also an image of a weapon. And this time, though, it is pointed upwards, not downwards. And water then becomes a promise for us that washes away sin. This red meta-narrative begins to go through and continues to go through now into a family, Abraham. And Abraham is called by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. And it would be a capricious call if God didn't own Isaac as well. He owns the whole world and he owns Isaac as well. And so it's within his full right to demand Isaac's life. And he takes him up there and Abraham, trusting in the promise that had been made to him that, and that faith that was given to him was credited as righteousness, it's given to him and he's up there and he's like, God will provide. And God does. And there is a ram in the thicket and the story continues to push us forward. Off of Mount Moriah, On now to Abraham's descendants, which are now a nation. A nation coming up out of exile. And we see that as they walk through the waters, another sign of baptism, they walk through the wilderness. They are given promises as well. They are given a law. And as we've seen in our own life, Demands oftentimes cause us to do the opposite. Expectations only are resentments waiting to happen. And this becomes the story of God's people. Not a shining example to model, but rather a place where we can put our hope 
that God, when he makes a promise to his people, no matter how faithless they are, he is always faithful. And this story carries us through and we see that eventually God's people establish themselves in the land. They get a king. God makes a promise, a covenant promise to that king as well that he'd establish his line forever. And these promises and these covenants go on despite Israel's faithfulness. God is a faithlessness. God is faithful to his promises. And then exile right at the brink of being completely decimated and destroyed God gives another promise through his prophet and that prophet promises that God is going to take care of it our faithlessness will not have the final say but his faithfulness will so he promises that he's going to write the law upon our hearts he's going to transform our hearts from stone into flesh, which is so powerful because it says that the way God is going to relate to us and the way that God is always related to us is not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And that as we pray every Sunday here in our collective purity, he will cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. God is faithful to all of his promises in the person and work of Jesus Christ. All of these promises culminate in this man, Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus gives validity to the Old Testament. It's not the other way around. If you read the book of Hebrews, it definitely says that Jesus gives validity to all of this other stuff that pointed to him. And what does God promise you in Jesus Christ? Because these promises are for you. Well, it's not your best life now. Uh, Jesus does not promise that all of your dreams are going to come true. God does not promise a movement or some form of new heroism. Rather, God promises you that he will save you from your sin. God promises you that he will save you from death. And he promises you that he will make you righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. This is the first thing. We gather and we've heard the promises of God. The promises of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ and now given all to you. But this second thing is why we have our service in the dark. It's because we don't see it always. We don't see that we have been made the righteousness of God. We don't see that we have been cleansed from all unrighteousness. We have to go by what we hear. We can't go by what we see. We're not Platonists. We're Christians. The Danish theologian, his name is Thorleif Bowman, in his work Hebrew Thought Compared with the Greeks, he makes this point clearly in his book that most of the pagan world go by what they see. The Jews, and consequently Christians historically, always relied on what they heard. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. But he who has ears, let them hear. Faith comes by hearing. Our God speaks. The way it works is that in the pagan religion, in secularism, we see and then we act. Versus Christianity, which says we hear 
and then we can rest. We hear and we can trust that God is moving through us. We don't go by what we see. We go by what we have heard. And God has declared you righteous in his word that has become flesh and died for you to become your justification and to become your righteousness. And while you may not see it, hear and believe tonight. He has made you so. And then this brings us to the point once again of why we're here in the dark. Because Jesus' great work has transferred us from darkness into light. And in a moment, we're going to turn on all the lights. And we'll begin the service of Holy Communion. And it's kind of there to remind us that indeed, there's going to come a moment. You're going to die. But then God is going to meet you in Jesus and all the lights are going to be turned on. And you are going to be invited at that moment to a heavenly banquet where that which we can only hear you will see clearly. And there at the head of the table will be Jesus, the Lamb of God. And there he will say to you and you will clearly see, well done, good and faithful servant. But until then, we gather around this table as a foretaste of that heavenly banquet that is to come. And we're reminded of Jesus' words. Those who feed on my flesh and drink of my blood, though they die, they will yet live. This gospel promises for you tonight. Though you die, you will yet live. For God in Christ will raise you up on the last day. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.